Hey, today I, I really feel Holy Spirit has led me to talk about the two versions of you, the two versions of you. Did you know that you have two versions? Well, I wanna talk about that today. I believe Holy Spirit's given me insight and wisdom, revelation on this reality biblically. And I want us to touch on that because here's what I know. Holy Spirit has a purpose and a plan for each one of our lives. And this plan is only fulfilled as we fully partner with who he is, who he is, Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and allow him to work supernaturally in and through our lives. It's a partnership that brings the kingdom of God to earth. And so I wanna, I wanna talk about this and share what I believe the Lord's put on my heart. But let me begin, if I could, with prayer. And so, Lord, I just thank you today that you are with us. You promised, Jesus, you would never leave. You would never forsake. You are with us. We believe that. You also said, Jesus, in John 14, that you would send another Savior, another Comforter, Holy Spirit, and you would never take him away. He would, he would be with us. You said in John 16, seven, it's to our advantage that you go away so that we could receive Holy Spirit. Jesus, I thank you for the Spirit. Lord, I thank you today that you want to meet with us. You want to speak into our lives. And I pray today, Jesus, that the prophetic destiny that you have for each one of us will be realized. Lord, I wanna answer for everybody that watches this video and just say yes, yes to whatever you speak to us. But I can't answer for everybody else. I, I answer for me. And I say yes, Lord, to your will, to your way. What you speak, I receive. And I ask, Lord, that in the soil of my heart today, your seeds, your truth will be planted. Your purposes would be known for your glory and my benefit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I want to talk about the two versions of you. You know, we all, all of us, two versions. All of us, two versions. I think about, first of all, the, the version that we are born into in our first birth here on planet Earth. All of us uh, have come from the seed of Adam. And so all of us have been born into a lesser version or a version that's not like at all the version that God created us to actually live into and live out with his help moment by moment on this earth. And the reality is every single person that's been born on this planet in our initial birth has been born through the seed of Adam. And so in this old version that we first began to be as we're born into this world, the reality is this version of who we've been has been a version of, of humanity that has learned to live without the leading, guiding voice of God's Holy Spirit moment by moment. Uh, I believe one of the greatest things that we have been deprived of because of the fall has been the ongoing intimate conversation from Holy Spirit to our hearts and from our hearts to Holy Spirit moment by moment. I think we've been, we've been deprived of that uh, because of the fall. 
We recognize in the Garden of Eden before the fall took place, God, God Father, God Son, God Holy Spirit had the ability um, and, and Adam and Eve had the incredible benefit of walking together in the cool of the day, of just to me, a great picture of intimacy, a great picture of an ongoing um, uh, conversation, communing together in, um, in the Garden of Eden. And all of that was lost when, when Adam and Eve sinned. When they sinned against God, there was a separation because of their sin. And, and I wanna declare that the moment Adam and Eve fell and sinned, Adam and Eve, and therefore every person born of the seed of Adam was then therefore subjected to the nature of the devil. We, we died spiritually. The, the conversation was, was interrupted. No longer was there an opportunity to live moment by moment in intimacy with Abba. And, and we know based on the word of God, <clears throat> that we've been created from the beginning. We were created, Adam and Eve was created to never live on bread alone, but every word that proceed from the mouth of God, every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. And so we just, on our, on our team, uh, we just believe uh, that we live uh, because he speaks. There's life in his voice. When God speaks, the reality is he releases life. Well, I believe biblically when Adam and Eve fell, when they sinned against God, they no longer had the ability to, to, to receive that ongoing word that was being released from Father's heart. And the Bible gives us an understanding that, that we, we became dead. Uh, we became dead spiritually. And so did you know there are two versions? That's what I'm talking about today. And I wanna, I wanna share, first of all, God's prophetic version for you and I. I believe we recognize uh, a picture of where that might be found in Psalm 139, verse 16. And David writes this about Yahweh. He says, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there were not one of those days. Now, what is he saying here? There's so much in this, but here's the reality, the gist of what David's trying to get us to understand. Before we were a substance in our mother's womb, father had a prophetic dream, a prophetic destiny, a prophetic identity that he wanted us to all live into. God's desire is that we would all be his kids, that we would all be filled and led with his Holy Spirit, that we would all live in this constant communion, intimacy with each other, us, Father, us. And his desire is that we would be whole and live out all of our days on this earth in this intimate relationship whereby we hear what he wants us to do and we partner with him to go do it. That's it. That's his desire for us. I, he says, he says that in his book in heaven were all written the days ordained for me. You know, I believe that in that book is also, as I said a few moments ago, our prophetic destiny, the the trajectory. If we were to, if we were the moment we're born again, God has a trajectory for our lives, and I believe it's every bit of that trajectory is all written down in this book as well. I believe the identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God 
is written down in this book. Now, the reality is God knew that he would have to send his son to lay his life down as a sacrifice once for all. The, the word says in, in Isaiah 53:10, it pleased the father, it pleased God if Jesus, the son, would render himself as a guilt offering for all. Father knew that Jesus would have to lay his life down so that you and I could be redeemed, purchased back from the, the dominion of the realm of darkness, which is the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of the devil, and be brought into the glorious light whereby Jesus could now reign in our lives once and forever. That's God's God's great plan. He knew what it would take to take us out of the old version of who we were and bring us into this new life, new birth in the spirit so that we could begin to live very alive by the spirit in the new identity that God has always dreamed that we would actually live into. And Jesus Christ has made that possible. Go with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter two. We recognize the two versions of who we were before being born again and who we are after coming to know Jesus. Look what he says. This is such a powerful scripture. Verse one says in chapter two of Ephesians, he says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. Now, check this out. He gives us an understanding in the old version of who we were, we were dead. What's he saying? Well, he's saying that we didn't have capacity to live into the new version of eternity that begins the moment we're born again. We didn't have capacity to live in that relationship with God because we were dead. Paul writes in Romans, the wages of sin is death. It's death. God told uh, Adam and Eve that if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. You guys remember the tempter, the tempter, the serpent came along and said, did God really say? Look what he says again in Ephesians 2, 1. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked. Now, I want you to understand this way of walking was the old version of who we were. It's the way we made our decisions. It's our intentions and our motives. It's, it's the way we spoke, the way we thought, the way we walked. Everything about us before we came to know Jesus. This is very important. Check this out. He says, it was all according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. He gives us an incredible revelation. He tells us, Paul tells us right here in verse two, that the old version of us before being born again was a version that was influenced by the devil, the God of this age. Our thoughts, our intentions, our motives, our nature continuously influenced by evil. Here's the issue, that always leads to death. Jesus said, and the apostle John wrote it down in John chapter 10, verse 10, verse, uh, uh, first part of that verse, verse uh, 10a. He says, the thief, the devil, the God of this age comes to steal, kill, 
and destroy. And you gotta understand this, that all of the influence of the devil, the God of this age, the old version of you was influenced by the devil for three purposes. Steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. The devil wants you out of the picture. The devil has no desire for you or I to ever understand by revelation of Holy Spirit what it would look like to begin living fully alive in the new version that God's always dreamed that we would live into and experience this side of heaven. Look what he says in verse three. He says, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Paul just simply says, I want you to understand, we too, even though you see us now in the new version of who we are, you need to understand that we too all live just like you, influenced by the devil, the God of this age. And because of that, we were children of wrath. We deserve death. We deserved hell. We deserve the grave. Look what he says in verse four. So incredible. I love that. When I, don't you love the but gods in, in, in the word of God? Amen. Verse four says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Man, isn't his love amazing? Come on. Listen, the ability to be brought out of the old version of who we were and to be brought into the new version of who he's always created us to be is because of his incredible love for us. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Who'd he give? His only son. He gave his only son. That word uh, so loved literally means that God wishes well. God's desires that you and I would experience the redemptive work of Jesus and the ongoing saving power of God, which releases the shalom of God. Check this out. Um, uh, Romans 10, 13. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That word saved is the Greek word sozo. And it literally means this, get well and live. Get well and live. We were all dead in our old version of life just burning the days until we are laid in the grave. But God, because of his incredible love, wishes us to get well and live, live into fully alive because of the blood of Jesus and the power of his spirit, the ability to live fully alive in the spirit of God in the new version that God always intended us to experience and live into. But God, Oh my goodness. He says, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. Not only have you been saved, but you've been raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse seven, so that in the ages to come, he, almighty God, might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Look at verse eight. He says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. I, I just, there's, there's a scripture that I, too, that I always try to, it's, they're just on my heart. 
You remember Paul wrote it in, in Romans 1, 16 and 17. 16, he gives us this understanding. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. This is so important. You, you, I, I'm sure you're aware of it, but that word salvation is that Greek word soteria. And it's literally a picture of God by his grace, by the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit reaching into a place of death, our old formal, the formerly old us, the old version of us, and pulling us because we choose to believe and respond to his call, pulling us out of this place of death and decay, of brokenness, despair, loneliness, deprivation, and pulling us by his rescue into a place of his safekeeping. I love this. The same power that rescues us from this place of brokenness and despair, he wants us to get well and live, that pulls us into this place of God's safekeeping is the same power that keeps us now and actually preserves us, get well and live. It's so important in the new version of that God always intended for us to live into. This is, this is so beautiful. Look what he says. He says, it's not, it's not work that we, we can't boast in it. It's not something that, that, that we've done because of our works. It's, it's a gift of God. Let's keep going. Look at verse 10. This is the verse I wanna to get to. This verse 10, he's talking about the new version of you and I after we're born again and we begin to walk with Jesus. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. That, you know that word. That's a word picture in the Greek language of uh, the word tapestry. It's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with seeing tapestries on walls, but when I've seen tapestries, they're a woven, <clears throat> they're a woven uh, beautiful picture. And normally there's two or three or four different scenes that complete the picture. And there's a transition that's taking place in each picture. And the reality is what he's trying to tell us here is by because of the, the, the saving work of Jesus, the ongoing rescue of God in our lives, moment by moment, by our partnering with him because of the new version that we become when we're born again, we have the ability to recognize our life as moments of encounters with God where we're transformed to another moment of an encounter with God where we're transformed to another moment of an encounter with God when we're transformed, <clears throat> to another moment of an encounter with God when we're transformed. And everyone around us has the ability to recognize these transforming images of what Jesus is doing in our life. And this is what it looks like to begin to live into the new version of who we are. Did I tell you that there are two versions of you? There's the old version, born into sin, selfishness, arrogance, self-preservation, um, self-serving. And then there's the new version of you that's created in the image of God for the purpose of partnering with God moment by moment to release the kingdom of heaven on earth as Jesus taught his disciples to pray there in Matthew 6. Now, let, look, verse 10, again, let's go there. He says, for we are God's workmanship created. I love this, created. I, I wanna say the word we've been recreated. When we're born again, we are recreated in the image, 
of Christ Jesus. Now, check this out. Why are we created? Look at this. We're created for good works. Check, look at the next words. Which God prepared beforehand. Beforehand what? Before we were the new version of who we are now. Before we were born again, before we ever knew him. How about way back here in Psalm 139, verse 16. How about in this book were written all these incredible, all these incredible good works. Now, this word good, it literally means of divine origin. These are, these are not works that you and I can do apart from God. These are actually works that come by the inbirthing of faith. Let's get to Romans 1.17. Romans 1.16 was, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation, the Jew first and the Gentile. But then he goes on to say, for it, for, he says, he goes on to say that this salvation, this salvation it is, let's, let's go there. I want you to see it. I think it's so important for us to look at. I think it's so important for us to look at. Check it out. Romans 1, 17. Romans 1, 17. He says, for in it, what? For in the salvation of God, the righteousness of God. What is the word righteousness? It's what God deems as best. Do you remember the, remember the, uh, the, uh, um, Proverb, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He says, lean not on your own understanding, right? Don't, don't rely upon your own understanding of anything, but acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways. When we acknowledge God and we receive what he says, that's righteousness. And righteousness in the most easy, understandable language means this. It's what God deems as best, the best way, the best thought, the best plan. And when we acknowledge God and we create space in this new relationship that we now have, he speaks to us, righteousness comes, what he deems best. Now, what does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? If we're willing to do that and receive, he will make all of our paths straight. He's telling us that he'll help us make the best decisions that will benefit us and those around us if we're willing to acknowledge him. And he says here in Romans, he says, for in it, for in what? In the salvation of God, righteousness, what God deems best is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous man will live by faith. The righteous man is the new version that you and I become when we're born again in Jesus. And he's telling us there in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared way back before you were even born. God, he, he desired to partner with you. I love the new version of who we become in Christ Jesus. I hated the old version of me. I really believe there are two versions, two versions. I, I, I know a scripture and I want, I want you to go there in Judges. I want you to see this. Judges, go there with me to Judges chapter 11. Judges 11. Look at this. In Judges 11, we recognize the prophetic destiny of, 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 of Jephthah, 
We recognize God's identity over Jephthah. Um, it's declared. So we recognize the version of God for Jephthah, but we also recognize the version of Jephthah that the devil already had prepared for him as well. And look at it, it's in verse one. Verse, chapter 11, verse one, Judges 11, verse one. It says, now, now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a valiant warrior. That's God's prophetic destiny. That's God's plan. That's God's desire. That's the trajectory that God has for Jephthah. If Jephthah would trust God, this is who Jephthah would be in God's sight. And that would manifest itself on this earth through works that God designed and created for him and Jephthah to partner in to release. But we also see in the same verse, the old version of Jephthah, the version that didn't partner with God, the version that allowed his identity to be spoken into him by the words of those who spoke to him that were around him, his family. Look what it says. But he was, God saw him as a valiant warrior, but the, those around him, look at, look at what he was known as. Here's his old version identity, but he was the son of a harlot. That's huge. Come on, that's huge. God had a plan for Japheth's life, and yet there was an old version of Japheth that looked nothing like the version that God had dreamed up for Japheth to live. He says he was a harlot. Let's keep going. How did that affect Japheth's life? Well, let's look at it. But he was a son of a harlot, and Gilead was the father of Japheth. Gilead's wife bore him sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Japheth out and said to him, you shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Everybody in the family knew, everybody in the community knew, they knew and understood an earthbound version of Japheth rather than the version that God had for Japheth. So, be, listen, this is so important. Japheth bought in to the version that was known by those around him rather than the version of God. Japheth bought into that version. So Japheth fled, he ran from his brothers. Look at this. And lived in the land of Tob and worthless fellows. Listen, other brothers, not his, other people who were living in an earthbound understanding or version of who they were rather than God's version, gathered themselves to Japheth and they went out with him. When Japheth went out to do what he did that was evil, these that had that same earthbound understanding, my mom always told me, birds of a feather flock together. It's amazing how many things our parents tell us that are, that are actually right on, actually right on. The reality is all of us are born into a, a version of us that God didn't intend, but he did something about it. He sent his son, Jesus. Now, I wanna tell just a, a bit of my story 
uh, I was born in the I was born uh, in a Christian family, um, a, 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 a Western world Christian family. Um, we went to church. We were in church whenever the doors were open. We were in church. I was uh, in, in a, always a part of a youth group. As I was a teenager, I was called to preach at a church camp at the age of thirteen. Never fully understood what was taking place. Didn't live in the revelation of God. Um, recognized that I had all these selfish desires and motives and self-preservation, just like every single one of us before we're born again. <clears throat> God began to call me into that destiny at the age of 13. And at the same time, God began to call me into that prophetic destiny. I felt an even greater draw in the flesh to live out. Now, check this out. God had a plan for my life before I was even born. He had a plan for my life. I remember at the age of 12, uh, my mom spending time speaking to me and letting me understand, Jay, it's time that we have the talk about girls. And I remember sitting down and listening to my mom share with me her thoughts. <clears throat> and uh, she, was, uh, she was telling me, Jay, you need to understand that that uh, the, in, 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 the, in, your, in, your, in the in the generations before you, and even your father, there's been issues with sexual immorality. There's been desires towards sinful, sinful desires and lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. And this is really, this is who you are. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't piece it together then, but years later, after Jesus set me free from all that, after I was born again and, and baptized in the spirit and set free to, to actually live out, the new version that God always intended me to live into. Then I began to look back and I recognized that the same thing that happened to the Japheth was the same thing that happened to me and it's the same thing that happens to people all over the planet. We, we hear words that are spoken over us. We hear things that are spoken that project identity. And the devil uses those words that are spoken to draw us deeper into a, a version of us that's nothing like the Father. And that's exactly what happened to me. I remember my mom telling me about the brokenness in our family and generations prior and, and how we had certain desires, generational iniquities towards certain types of sin. And um, the moment she told me that, I, I can't explain it other than to say this, I recognized an even stronger pull towards that identity. Rather, than the identity of the new destiny that God had for me. And my life spun out of control. At the age of 13, my parents divorced and sexual immorality, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, it, it, it became the very thing that I went after. I craved like nothing else and um, found myself with a, with a girlfriend and, and uh, pregnant by the time 16, had three kids by the time we were 20, 19, excuse, uh, no, 20, yep, yeah, 20, and, uh, and life completely out of control. Serving the devil, being led by the devil, influenced by the devil, deceived by the devil, didn't have a clue, just trying to make it, scrounging around, trying to make it from one day to the next. And I, and I lived that way until I was uh, 24 years of age. Just broken, miserable, horrible, broken, miserable, horrible circumstance, horrible situation. Came to Jesus in 1995 and was forgiven and began to experience um, a portion of what it would look like to begin to live into God's destiny for me. 
um, served in the church, became a pastor, served for I think about eight and a half years, was successful in the, in the, uh, the scene of being a, a minister of the gospel, leading people to Jesus, baptizing people. And then I found myself being, uh, in, 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 over that eight and a half years, God would continue to lead me to places uh, where he wanted to deal with areas in my life that kept me from living fully alive into the new version of who he created me to be. And, and I just didn't understand. I, I, I didn't understand. I, I didn't know that God could speak to us clearly. I, I didn't understand how to receive revelation from the word. And I hadn't been in a discipling relationship. And after serving for about eight and a half years as a pastor, I, I found myself uh, so deeply wounded in ministry and and finally to a place where I recognized I couldn't go on. I, I recognized this place in me that was keeping me from being able to trust God to take me to that next level. It was too much fear in my life. There was, there was too much brokenness in my heart to trust God to take me to that place where he could remove things out of my life and heal me and make me whole so I could live fully alive into the new version of who he says I was. He created me for relationship. He created me for relationship. And, and I found myself so broken and so wounded. And, and finally, I just, I believed the lie. I, I heard the old version of me spoken into my ear by the devil. And I, I ran to that rather than running into the arms of Jesus and, and found myself totally deceived out of ministry for 10 years. I mean, it was literally, um, obviously nothing like hell at all. And yet uh, for me on earth, it was so much like hell. It was terrible for 10 years walking in darkness, led by the devil. Um, filled with guilt and shame, separated from God, serving my own desires and my own pleasures, living a life of death once again. And in May of 2012, in May of 2012, I heard God whisper something into my ear at night when I was sleeping. And here's what he said to me. He says, Jay, I want to awaken you from this version of you into this new version of who I've always created you to be. He said to me, Jay, I want to awaken you to equip the end time church for the end time harvest. And I knew at that moment, I hated God. I wanted nothing to do with him. I, I felt like I, I believed the lie that God had destroyed our lives when we served him in ministry. None of that was true, but that's what I believed. And and I'd heard from God, he called me, he wanted to awaken me uh, to equip the end time church for the end time harvest. And I knew at that moment that the version that I was living had no ability to do what he was calling me to do. I, I, I couldn't get it, I didn't understand. And, and so I just continued to run. I thought, I'm not serving you. And situations arised and sickness came and different things took place. And, and one night I was sleeping again. And I, I, I heard in the middle of the night sleeping, dead sleep. And I heard God whisper my name. And he, he, he whispered, he just said, Jay. But he said my name. And it was though he said it from eternity past to eternity future. And when he called my name for the very first time in my life, I was 42 at the time, I heard him call my name. And for the very first time, there was nothing attached to my name when he said it that had always been attached to my name regarding the old version of who I was. The, the rejection, the brokenness, the failure, the shame and the guilt, the pain and the hurt. All of the word curses spoken over me, all of the wicked things that I'd done. 
all of the broken dreams. None of that was attached to my name when he whispered my name. He, he see, he whispered my name um, as he saw me from the new version that he'd always created me to be. And he was calling me into a place of learning what that new version would look like. I responded after several several weeks and, and uh, I began to cry out to Jesus and and I'll, I'll never forget the day that he touched me and and draw, draw, drew me back into the kingdom and forgave me and baptized me in the Holy Spirit, sanctified my heart, made me pure. He eradicated, he, he cleansed away the nature of the devil so that I could begin to live in to this newness of who he created me to be. My life is... It's never been the same. I'm, I'm a complete different person. I'm, I've, it's, it's only been, it's only been a little over eight years, but the reality, about eight and a half years. But the reality is, I, I, by the power of God, not my power, I couldn't dig myself out of a trench if I tried. But by His power and hearing His invitation, the reality is, God is, is equipping and has equipped and will continue to equip me to live out the destiny that he has for me. I'm, I'm living in eight and a half years strong into this, by his grace, into this new version of who he's always wanted me to be. And I can tell you, brothers and sisters, I'm blown away. The supernatural things that I've seen God do in my life as I partnered with him, Oh my goodness, the miracles I've seen, the healings I've seen, the deliverances that I've seen, not only in my own life, but in the lives of people all over the nation. And none of that's possible if I stay stuck in the old version. If I stay stuck in the old version. You see, I don't believe we can have one foot in the old version and one foot in the new. If we're not fully alive in the new version, I think the enemy's job is to steal, kill, destroy. And if he can, he'll try to pull us back into that old version. I think we see this prophetically. I think we see this prophetically in the word of God. And so go with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 14. We're almost done, but I wanna, it's so important that I show you. It's so important that we recognize by the spirit together. what it looks like when we begin to live into this new destiny. Do you remember the moment Jesus was baptized by John in the, in the Jordan waters and he rose from the, from the baptismal waters and all of a sudden the Bible says the heavens were rent and the spirit of God was poured out and the spirit of God not only filled Jesus, the word says he was filled with the spirit, but Jesus also hosted the anointing of God on him the spirit in him to teach him, to lead him, to guide him, the spirit on him as the anointing for our benefit. The very next thing that happened after Jesus was, was baptized by the Holy Spirit, the very next thing that happened was Jesus was led by the same Holy Spirit into the wilderness, right? He was led by the same Holy Spirit into this place of wilderness. And in the wilderness, Jesus was taught, I believe, he, he, I believe what happened to the wilderness in the first 40 days of fasting was Jesus learning how to live into Isaiah 50, verse four and five. Jesus learning how to be led by the Spirit moment by moment, learning how to hear from the Father and communicate, learning how to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. 
moment by moment. I think Jesus did that. He chose to do that. Did he have to? No, but he chose, he emptied himself, Philippians 2. He emptied himself of the glory. He didn't depend upon his godness at all. He depended upon the Holy Spirit just like you and I have to do. And I believe in those first 40 days, that's exactly what Jesus did. But after the 40 days, Jesus experienced temptation. And in those moments of temptation, we recognize that that three general areas were tempted. And we see those three general areas in Jesus' life that was tempted in 1 John 2, 16. Jesus was tempted in the area of the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. You remember the very first temptation was for Jesus to turn a stone into bread because Jesus was hungry. His hung, he, was, he, was, he was starving for food. And that was the, the lust of the flesh. Go after this Come out, of, come out of doing what you're doing as a man and do something as God. Turn this stone into flesh. Turn this stone into bread so that you can eat. And Jesus denied that. He didn't do it. Well, the reality is, brothers and sisters, when you and I are born again and we begin to live into the new version of who God created us to be, the very first thing that's gonna happen is we're gonna experience temptations as we begin to trust God. And in these moments of temptations, it's always a wilderness experience. It's always a wilderness time. It's always a time where it seems like we're isolated and alone, and yet we're not. He promised he'd never leave nor forsake. It always seems to be a place where we have to depend upon God to really come through with his promise. And he'll never, he'll never not follow through. He's always faithful. He cannot lie. I, I, love, I love it. Don't you love who he is, oh my goodness. But when we're, when we're led into these places where the word of God is now tested uh, and we are tempted uh, to, to go back to the old version, um, uh, it's in that moment, it's in that moment of wilderness that God either has the ability by our agreement with truth to prove himself true or we begin to grumble, it's too hard and we go back into the old version. And I want to submit to you that most people, again, have one foot in the new version and one foot in the old version. I want to submit to you that most of us become grumblers and never actually fully live into what it looks like to partner with God, to release the divine works, to live into the fulfillment of Ephesians 2.10 because we're drawn back into the old version of who we were. Look at, look at Exodus 14. Exodus, you recognize uh, Exodus uh, here we, we see God leading out his, uh, uh, by Moses' hand, uh, Moses and Aaron leading out the children of Israel, leading them out of all the years of bondage in Egypt. It's a prophetic picture of our lives out of a place of bondage and into a place of life. And the reality is uh, Moses had led them out by the Lord's hand. And look in chapter 14, verse 10. They're experiencing their first moments of freedom, but also at the same time, they're experiencing the wilderness. You with me? Their first challenge. Verse 10 says, as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they became very frightened so that the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? 
Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Come on, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. And maybe my story might be extreme. I don't know. I'll never forget, though, the moment Jesus awakened me in 2012 and I began to to fully live alive in the revelation of who Jesus was, partnering with God moment by moment. The very first thing that happened was God allowed a person who was demonized to to come to work for me at my business. I was self-employed, had a painting company. And uh, this, this, I hired this gentleman to work with me and I told him he would have to work next to me for a period of time so that I could train him. And he was working with me one day on the first day of the job for him. And I was telling my testimony to him. And as I told my testimony, this gentleman all of a sudden fell down on the ground. And I got down and I uh, went to help him up and he ran over, we were on a two-story deck on the back of a house. He ran over and he crawled up on the railing of the deck and he started riding the railing like he was riding a horse. And I walked over to him and I told him to get off the railing because I thought he was gonna break it, number one. And number two, he could fall off and get hurt. But when I walked over to him, he couldn't talk and he looked like he was in a trance looking straight forward. And I got him off the railing. He's a little bit bigger than I am, but I got him off the railing and I thought everything was gonna be okay. And then the next moment, he runs to the highest part of the deck and he crawls over the deck rail and he's standing on the outside facing in. And all of a sudden, I thought in my heart, I thought this guy's gonna do a backflip off this deck and kill himself. And I had no idea what was going on. I was blown away by what I was seeing, but I didn't know what else to do. I ran over there and I grabbed him. I yelled his name and I said, Richard, no. And I held him. And I I was on the inside of the deck rail. He was on the outside of the deck rail. I put my arms around him. And after, I don't know, two or three seconds, he became limp. And so I, I, I looked at him in the eyes and he looked the same. He became very relaxed. He looked like he was in a trance. He didn't say a word. I'm looking into his eyes. And in the next moment, he put his arms around me and he grabbed me. And when he grabbed me, he grabbed me with, I don't know, I've never known how else to say this, but he grabbed me with the strength of five men. And when he grabbed me, he immediately yanked me and we both flew off that deck. I didn't have the time to say Jesus, but Jesus had the time to say Jesus. Jesus is always interceding on our behalf. Somehow, by the grace of God, we landed on our feet on the ground on the outside of that deck. There was a propane man who was filling the propane tank. It was out in the country uh, of this house. He was was filling that propane tank at that time. When all of this happened, he was amazed at what was taking place. I didn't know what else to do. Uh, I, I didn't know anything about healing and deliverance. I was brand new walking with Jesus, trying to follow Jesus, living in the new version of who I was. And now I experienced something that scared me to death. I didn't know what to do. I called the police, a long story. Um, um, The the guy got some help, but it was demonization. Uh, Long story short, God taught me how to help this guy get free. And I walked with this guy for four years before we started traveling full time. And this guy, God touched this guy so deeply, he truly got free from the demonization. 
And he, he became a born again, spirit filled believer who runs his own business. He's living in the, the version of who God created him to be. Beautiful story. I'll never forget that day. I went home that day after that happened, mesmerized by what I'd seen. And I, I began to weep and cry. And I said, this is too hard. God, why did you call me to this? I didn't know this new life in you was going to be so hard. And all, all I wanted to do was quit at that moment. I didn't. But all I wanted to do was I heard that voice from the old version of me drawing me back. These people, God's chosen people, heard that same voice. It's easier for us to go back there than it is to stay here, God. You've heard that voice. God is calling us to a life of full surrender, to live fully alive into the version that he created us to be. The question is, will we surrender and allow him to do a daily work moment by moment in our lives by his word and spirit so that we can actually fulfill the God-given destiny that he has for us? Or will we remain at a place where we are one foot in the grave and one foot in life? Go with me to Exodus 15, 22. Exodus 15, 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness to go in deeper into the wilderness. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could drink, excuse me, they could not drink the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore it was named Mara. So the people grumbled at Moses saying, what shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And you know the story, God made the, the bitter water sweet so that they could experience. This was just another opportunity for, for them to either choose to go back or to keep trusting the word of God. The next place I want us to go is chapter 16. Look at verse two. Verse two. In verse one, they all set out again, deeper into the wilderness. The whole congregation, verse two, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Their grumbling begins to grow. The sons of Israel had, uh, the sons of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. There's, I could read so many accounts of God's people, Israel, that actually kept them out of living the full destiny that God had for them because they continued to grumble. They continued to want to go back to the old way that seemed so good to them. And yet it was filled with misery and pain and brokenness and despair <clears throat> and deprivation from the, the one who speaks life. One last story, and then I want to pray. About four years ago, I was, about five years ago, I was sitting in my living room. I'd just gotten up. I was spending time with Jesus in the morning, and up the road from our house was a neighbor who was sick with disease in his body. Um, I prayed for him several times to be healed, and, but I'd never really heard Jesus tell me that he was gonna heal him. I knew the general will of God in the word, but I, didn't, I hadn't heard a manifestation from the spirit speak to my heart saying, today's the day for healing for, for this brother. 
So I, I heard that morning, God told me, he says, I wanna heal him, go to his house and pray. I'll heal him today. And I, 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 I did, I, I took a shower, got dressed. I went to this guy's house and I knocked on his door and I said, hey, Jesus told me today he wants to heal you. If you let me pray for you, Jesus will heal you today. And he lo- I'll never forget, he looked at me and he says, I know Jesus will heal me someday, referring to heaven. He said, but I, I, don't, I don't want you to pray for me today. And I said, why not? He said, because if you pray for me, if you pray for me and Jesus heals me today, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get a job. I'm gonna have to change the way I live. And this, this guy's been on full disability. He didn't have responsibility. He, he just sat around and, and he chose the comfort, which was still misery of the old version rather than coming alive into the new version and allowing Jesus to fully live alive through him so that the kingdom of God could be seen on earth. I, th- this morning, I just wanted to share with you, the reality is there are two versions of us. There are two versions. There's a version that God dreamed that he wants to fulfill by his son's death, resurrection, by the outpouring and infilling of Holy Spirit. There's two versions. The question is, which one will we choose to live? There's an invitation. There's an invitation by God for us to live his perfected, incredible version of us. Will we choose to partner with him for that to become our reality? Will we choose to surrender all that we are? I wanna pray just a simple prayer this morning for those that wanna choose to live fully alive in the new version of who God's created you to be. And I wanna, here's what I wanna pray. I wanna pray God that, I wanna pray to God that he would sanctify. I wanna ask Jesus to sanctify, make pure, remove the nature of the devil from hearts that want to fully surrender to him so that you can experience and begin to live in fully alive all that God created you to partner with him to do on this earth. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there's not been a boring moment since I've been living this new life. The old life, painful, broken, felt like I was having to carry the world on my shoulders. This new life, Jesus is leading and guiding and I'm getting to see God do mighty works that he can only do by his spirit when he finds someone who's willing to partner with him. I'm blown away. There's not a dull moment. It's exciting. It's exciting. I'm, I'm no longer tired of the journey. I, I get tired in it, but I'm not tired from it. It's incredible. Or excuse me, of it. I love it. I'm thankful for this new, incredible version that God's created me to be. And I'm thankful for the new version that God's created you to be. So if you want to surrender your life to this new version, find out who God really created you to be, get in the word, study, Um, spend time with Jesus, listen to what he says over you. And you want Jesus to sanctify. See, I believe this is the work that has to be done in order for us to fully live, fully alive into this new version of who he's created us to be. And if you want this today, I wanna pray for you right now. Jesus, Jesus, I thank you that you are the sanctifier. John the Baptist said that you would baptize us with Holy Spirit and fire. Ezekiel prophesied that, Lord, that you would make our hearts stony hearts, hearts of flesh, tender. 
and that you would put your spirit in us. You would take out the old desires, evil desires, the nature of the devil. And you would give us the ability to know your desires and the power to fulfill them. So I'm asking Jesus right now that you would sanctify hearts and make them pure. I'm asking you, Jesus, that you would purify hearts from the nature of the devil, that you would reinstate and imprint your image on your sons and daughters, that you would create in them, Lord, the ability to partner with you, to live fully alive into the new version that you've created them to be. There's some, Lord, that you will call to preach professionally. There's some that you will simply call to proclaim as their everyday journey, your goodness. And so I give you praise, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I bless you, and I thank you for this opportunity to spend time in your word today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I love you, and I honor you.